Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. So let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 16. We're going to start from verse 25. And basically this is in the book of Acts. This is where Paul and Silas is a famous story where they are in the prison they get thrown in prison for preaching the gospel, for casting a demon out of a girl. The uh, basically backstory is the, the girl there um, was, had a demonic spirit, and that demonic spirit um, enabled her to give wealth to her masters. She was a slave. Okay, and basically, Paul casts the demon out of her. The master doesn't like that because now he's getting no money from this girl. They throw him in prison. Okay, this is what happens when they are in prison, starting from verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Father, I thank you for your anointing here this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are such a faithful Father. Lord, we thank you that you are good. Lord, you never leave us nor forsake us. Father, we want to honor you in this place. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to move and minister this morning as the word goes out. Father, we pray for revelation from heaven. Father God, we don't want man's teaching, Lord God. We don't want plain, dry old man, Lord God. We want rhema from heaven. Father, we want your anointing. And Father, we pray this morning you would come and do what you do best. You change lives, you change hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So in this, this chapter here in verse 25, what we notice is that Paul and Silas had a different spirit. And basically they had faith in something that was unshakable. It was God. Dad's been talking recently about the spirit of, and the kingdom of God is unshakable. That no matter what happens here on earth, God is not shaken. He cannot be shaken. And that's exciting because we have faith in something that is greater than who we are. We have faith in someone who paid a bigger price and that can, you know, it's unshakable. You might have been, uh, throughout life, you might have had faith in something that is shakable. Maybe a relationship with someone that you thought would be robust and you had faith in that person, they ended up betraying you or backstabbing you, separating that relationship. You know, you might have invested finances into something, you had faith that that would bring a return, but it ended up going bust. Uh, You might have, had faith in a promise that somebody gave you. Maybe your father gave you a promise and end up, he may have ended up breaking that promise. All these things that we have faith in that are natural things, these can be broken. And I'm sure we can get all, everybody can come up on the stage and tell this story at one point and another where faith and something has been shaken. But I want to say the kingdom of God is different. It's not the natural, it's not how we think of the natural. So it doesn't matter what virus, what disease, honestly, It does not matter because God knows and He's superior. He is supernatural, above the natural. And so when we have faith in that and we are grounded, it's like, hey, no matter what comes, no matter what's thrown at us, if we hold to our God and His faithfulness, we will be secure because He is unshakable. And that's exciting. That's what we should uh, hold our hope in this morning. Uh, But, you know, have you ever had an idea that you thought was good at the time and then it just ends up being like, just terrible. Reminds me of a story. This is a banger story, man. This, is, this one's a good one. I've actually hardly ever told the story before, so I'm, I'm giving you the let out. But uh, basically, when I was six years old, back in Christchurch, New Zealand, 
I was uh, going around to my friend's house, Jamie Omar, back in the day. As young little cubs, we were going to his house and I was going around to, um, you know, have a play date. Uh, that's weird. Uh, we are going around, I was just going around for the afternoon. And um, basically his, his family was house-sitting for another family in the church that had gone on holiday. And uh, one of the perks of this uh, house-sitting idea is that the house they were with had two pet guinea pigs. And uh, basically, they were entrusted to look after these two guinea pigs. And me and Jamie, being young animal enthusiasts, thought, you know what? These guinea pigs have been in a cage for far too long. <laughs> like, locked away in this cage, here we are, two young boys, our first moments of being true life heroes. We're like, yeah, let's do this. So what we do, we grab these guinea pigs, and I like to uh, kind of liken them to Paul and Silas, locked away in a prison. And we're operating as God, bringing the earthquake and letting them free. So we bring them out, and uh, we, he's got Paul, I've got Silas. We're playing with these two guinea pigs. And basically, in this moment, we thought, we are going to give these two guinea pigs the most wild ride they've ever had. In, in the best sense. We thought, like, honestly, in our mind, we're thinking, nah, this is good. Like, these guys, they don't know what's going to hit them. And sure enough, they didn't. We took them to the trampoline. And we thought, you know, this is just so good. Like, how can we be this nice? Like, we took them on the tram, and we started off with activities that were kind of moderate. And uh, we started off with um, wheelbarrow races, you know, where you grab the back legs, and they got the front legs. <laughs> we're racing them on the tram. You know, that's kind of cool. And then we started with um, roly-polies, Roll, like literally rolling the guinea pigs across this tram. <laughs> and so this is going on, and this, this is happening. And uh, then we kind of advance to the uh, more experienced activities of the day. And uh, we get into kind of throwing the guinea pigs to each other. I don't know what the heck we were thinking, but honestly, in our six-year-old minds, we were thinking, this is so good. Like, these guys just don't know. Like, they're so blessed. And so we're throwing them to each other. And then the brightest idea of the day comes to us. And we're like, oh, since we're on a tramp, you haven't lived if you haven't experienced a double bounce. And you know what, if you don't know what a double bounce on a trampoline is, is when, <laughs> it's when you like bounce once and then it kind of comes up to a moderate level and then you get the timing right and something to do with physics happens and you bounce them a second time and you just skyrocket. We do this with the guinea pigs and uh, they go flying up. Man, everyone's gone silent because it's like, <laughs> basically they, they shoot up and um, we catch them, of course. The second time we didn't catch them, we allowed them to bounce down again. So basically this whole situation has just turned south real quick. But I want to let you know that in this moment, okay, let me tell you what actually happened afterwards. Um, one of them died almost instantly. Um, after I left, I was gone. I fled the scene. Um, <laughs> died in Jamie's arms. Not funny. Um, he, so he, yeah, one of them died and the next one died the, the, the day after. So basically, we were at six years old, two guinea pig murdering children. In this moment and in this time, we were honestly thinking that this is good. Like, we are blessing these guinea pigs. Like, they haven't experienced the fun we've had on the tram. We're going to be the ones that are going to give it to them. And in our six-year-old mind, in our immaturity, we were like, yes, this is good. I want to say sometimes in our life, we can have faith and ideas and what we think is good, but actually ends up being destructive to our walk. 
And we can liken this situation, as weird and dumb as it is, to our life when we realize that sometimes we get natural ideas. And we think we have these concepts and these ideas in our head that we think is great. We, we think it makes logical sense that it's going to go well. But actually, if we were to look at it from another perspective, we would realize that that very concept would lead to destruction. That it would be detrimental to our future. And I want to say this morning, we need to be grounded in something that is unshakable. Because when we are grounded in something unshakable, we don't go on weird ideas and pursue weird things. When we are grounded in the Word of God during this season... It's in times and moments like this that we have faith in something that's unshakable. And the Word of God is eternal truth. It's something that's not shaken. So when we have our hope and our trust and we're getting into the Word, I want to say this morning that we are in the right place. Because when we have surrounded ourselves with the Word of God, when we've surrounded ourselves with leadership that are putting us in the right direction, we don't go on these weird ideas of guinea pig chasing and <laughs> like these, these things that we can... Some, and sometimes they, these ideas make natural sense. Like it makes sense to go pursue this idea. Go, it makes sense to launch out and go do, make this financial investment. Things might naturally make sense. But how many of us have read the Word of God and realized that some of the most powerful moments in the Word don't actually make natural sense? That it takes acts of faith. That when people are putting their hope on God and in His Word, sometimes it doesn't make sense. It's like, why would I do that? God's just saying, trust me. Trust me. Because in this moment, although that makes sense naturally, if you come and do this, which you might, you're just going to have to bank on me on this. But when you do this very thing, I want to tell you, that's going to lead to the road of blessing. But sometimes our natural ideas and our natural pursuits actually end up in destruction. So this morning, I want to talk about how we are not governed by the natural things, but we are governed by the spiritual things. And when we are grounded on the spiritual things, it, they are unshakable. And we go look back at Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas. And one of the most powerful parts in this I, that I got when I was reading this recently, in verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. This part here. And the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. When they were in their moment of praise and in their moment of giving thanks to God, the prisoners were listening to them. This morning I want to say, people are listening to you. But what are they listening to? Are they listening to a voice of faith and praise or are they listening to a voice of negativity and fear? Because we have people around us that are listening to us as Christians to see what we will say, to see how we respond. And in moments of trial and through the storm, there are those that surround us who will be listening to the very things we preach, the very things we say, how we react. And we need to be careful about the things that we say during seasons like this. Because people are listening. I want to say we are called to change the climate. We are called to change atmospheres. We are called to change workplaces, to change schools, to change communities. But I want to say, are we changing it for good or are we changing it for evil? Because by the words that we say, we can change atmospheres for righteousness or we can equally change it for negativity and destruction. 
but the words that come out of our mouth, we speak things that will bring faith or we speak things that will bring fear. Is this who we are? I want to say, you might ask, okay, so how do I change an atmosphere? This morning, the most practical way you change an atmosphere is through the words that you say. It's the words that come out of your mouth. Proverbs 18, 21. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. What we say can either bring life or it can bring death. It's up to us. The words that we speak to people, the words that we share, the words that we minister can either bring life or it can bring death. And we need to be careful that what we are speaking out is filled with life. It's filled with faith. It's filled with hope. Not death. Not negativity. Not limitation. Not restriction. Not fear. Not anxiety. Not oppression, not depressing thoughts. Things that we speak out, we need to monitor what we say and the words that come out. All right, this is good. This is good. We are called to be the light to the world. How can we do this if we speak out darkness? We are called to bring life and hope. But as Christians, if we are speaking negativity, what are we going to show? Our light won't shine. How are we going to be the city on a hill if we are the people that are criticizing, undermining, being negative, being just, just full of the words that we say are constantly bringing things down, pulling others down, criticizing? We need to be the light. We need to be people that will bring hope. Spreading gossip, criticism, undermining the government, Undermining natural things, undermining our relatives, undermining our parents. Criticizing these things that have been put in place does not elevate us. The people around us, I want to say, you ever been around people that are just like constantly negative? I say it's toxic, man. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, just get me out of here. Why? Because it brings the atmosphere down. But you get around people that bring faith and that speak out hope, you want to be around them because they lift your spirits up. They lift the spirits up. Man, that's powerful. The Lord's been speaking to me recently about complaining. And through this season, um, I've been challenged. And this is a big one. Um, over the last few weeks, you know, it's easy to complain. You know, it's too easy. Anybody can complain. Anybody can do that. There's things that go wrong. There's things that we don't have. There's things that aren't right in our life. And it's just easy to complain about them. It's natural to complain. But I want to say that we've got to be careful how we talk and what we complain about. I was at the store the other day and um, I was getting some stuff and there was a guy in there and he was complaining that he couldn't buy beer after four o'clock. And you know those guys that have a conversation with the worker but for everyone to hear? It was one of those ones. And so I'm like way on the other side and like I can hear exactly what he's saying. I was like, who are you talking to? Are you talking to us or are you talking to the workers? Like... Okay, so uh, he's doing his thing and he's complaining and, oh, you know, I, I finished work at four, I can't go home and can't buy a beer and, you know, drink up after. And I'm there, I'm like, okay, sweet, just get my marshmallows and uh, do my thing. And then he's going on and then somehow, as things do or tend to happen, he starts blaming the government. I'm like, what the heck, man? Just like, shut up. Just like, he's just, just everyone in that atmosphere is just like all of a sudden, like just having a good time buying marshmallows, then all of a sudden, this guy gets it. It's like, 
Sometimes you just got to be thankful. Like he's complaining he can't go home and drink Corona. Just be thankful that you don't have Corona. Like we got times and moments where you got to just be thanking the Lord. That like in moments like this, the Lord challenged me big time. This is the, the, the quote that came into my spirit the last few weeks. Sometimes the very thing we are complaining about is the very thing someone else is praying for. Let me say that again. Sometimes the very thing we are complaining about is the very thing someone else is praying for. We drive our car. Oh, the stupid thing. This thing's so small. Makes this weird noise. Pull up to the, uh, the, <laughs> the stop place up there. It's creaking. Everybody's looking at me. We're complaining about our car and we think, oh my gosh, this thing's just so useless. If only I had that car. Those people got a nice car. Yeah, I wish I was like them. Start complaining about it. Little did we know there's another family on the island that's just praying that they can have a car because their kids are walking to school. Dad's catching the bus to work. We complain about family members. This is where it gets bad. Oh, mum's so annoying, always down my grill, just trying to play my games, and mummy's coming over here telling me what's up, and I clean my room, what the heck, I've got a room, I want to do my... We complain about all... I don't do that, 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 that didn't come from me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we complain about these things. But then it gets serious, because there's another family up at the hospital that's praying that their mother would just have life. Yeah. Desperately praying that God would bring a miracle and here we are taking for granted the gift of life and our parents and our family members and those around us and we've got to open our eyes to see that sometimes what we are complaining about is the very thing that other people are desperately believing and praying for and moments like this you know what we need we need a perspective change to see how blessed we really are to see how the blessing of the Lord has been unlocked and released over our life. Sometimes we take it all for granted. You know, we have, <laughs> we have our washing machine at home. And uh, <laughs> basically, our washing machine does not clean. It's at this weird place in its life and in its existence where you put white clothes in and it comes out like filthy, dirty. I don't know what's wrong with it. I don't know how these things happen but I put white clothes in and they come out like dragged in mud. The first time I laughed, I thought, <laughs> sorry, Dad, uh, just airing our uh, problems to the church. But uh, basically, so the first time, and you know what's funny about it, it's only ever happened to me. My clothes that I put in, it's never happened to anyone else. And so it's happened. I thought the first time I thought it was just like an accident. Oh, it wouldn't happen again. Then it happened the second time. I was like, oh, come on. Then I put my next clothes in the third time, and then it happened again. In between those washes, the family members had not had any problems. So it's just me, and it's just happening to me. The third time, I was just like, okay. I was just about to, you know, let loose. I was like, you know how bad this is? I put my nice clothes, I separate my white clothes so they don't get bleached from the colored clothes and then I come in like someone's chucked a sack of mud in the washing machine and it just spins through and I bring it out and it's just full of dirt. Like what is going on here? It's just about, to, I was about to release and then that quote came into my spirit again. Somebody else is praying for a washing machine. Somebody else is on this island that doesn't have a washing machine that's washing their clothes by hand. Some people don't even have clothes. And here I am, 
oh, this washing machine, blah, 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 blah. I should be counting my blessings that we even have a washing machine. Sometimes we need a perspective change that in moments like this, where things may be taken away, we need to realize how truly blessed we actually are. And, uh, you know, the Lord, last night I was in a moment of prayer and it was like God came, it was just the spirit of gratitude came upon me. And for about 20 minutes I was out, you know, walking outside and it was like, God, what can I say? What can I say? The life I have been given I don't deserve, I did nothing to deserve this. The fact that I live in a family that loves me, that cherishes me, that provides for me, that brought me up in the gospel, that I'm saved, that I'm freed from sin, that I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, that I'm free from addiction, free from bondage, that we have parents that provide and love and cherish. All these things, these natural blessings, we have clothes, we have houses, we have cars. What the heck did we do to deserve this? And especially in other, you look at other places in the world, in other countries, especially outside of the Western world, and you look at the poverty, you look at the desperate trying times, and here I am complaining about a washing machine. Here we are complaining about our cars. That It's like sometimes we need that perspective change because we count and take for granted the blessings of the Lord. And in our life, we need to realize that God is blessing, 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 and we just don't even look at that, and we just think, oh, why don't I have this? But sometimes we need to realize, okay, you may not have that, but you've got everything else. And then in moments like this, we need to realize and we need to have that attitude of gratitude that we begin to realize and be thankful to God for what He has blessed us with. Because when God brings the blessing, we've got to be thankful. We've got to honor Him. We've got to declare His praises. Is this making sense? Is this reaching someone this morning? Sometimes we complain about the very things God has blessed us with. Oh, my boss sucks. Oh, my gosh. That dude trying to do my job comes over here grilling down my back. What do you pay me for? I don't pay me to look at you. We have these thoughts. So you're just let me do my thing, man. You're getting me out of my zen mode. I'm trying to work down my back. Get lost, man. We have these thoughts. We're complaining about our boss and he sucks. <laughs> but basically little do we know that God was the one that opened the blessing to get that job in the first place maybe you weren't even in the runnings for that job maybe the job that they saw your saw your application your CV be like what this what this guy's applying for this job and the spirit of the Lord comes and be like you know what actually let's hire this guy sometimes the blessing of the Lord comes the doors are unlocked that never would have been opened other than God moving and we get the blessing, we get that job, we get that financial provision, we get that promotion, we get that blessing from God, and then we go ahead months later, we thank God for the blessing ages ago, but then we get familiar with the blessing. We get familiar with what God has given us. And in the moments of familiarity, we begin to undermine and we begin to criticize and get negative. Oh, my boss. Oh, this job. What are they paying? I should be getting a promotion. Just be thankful that you have a job. Maybe in this moment you've been laid off. Maybe in this moment you're with tourism declining. Your business might be suffering. 
I want to say in moments like this, we need to be careful what we say. Because I believe that in moments of trials, that God tests what we speak and how we react to things. And if in a moment of trial, when God takes away maybe the provision of an area on our life or something happens, a trial happens, if we go out and criticize, I believe that reveals what's going on in our heart. But when through the trial, maybe you have a business that's been scaled right back at this moment, and you say, God, I thank you, I still have that business opportunity. Father, I thank you that through that season's last two years, you've been blessing me. Father, I thank you that although it may have scaled back down, I thank you, God, that you are still faithful. You're Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. I thank you that through this season, no matter what happens, I'm going to put my trust and faith with you. You know what happens? God inhabits the praises of his people. Scripturally proven, God inhabits the praises of his people. You know what that means? God is where he is praised. When we have faith on our lips, when we have praise in our tongues, God and the favor of the Lord dwells upon that. But I want to say, it's like the Holy Spirit comes where He is welcomed. If we go out and we criticize and undermine Him, the Holy Spirit is just going to be like, lay the bowl. I blessed you once, I blessed you twice, I blessed you a hundred times, and then you're going to slap me in the face. We need to have praise on our lips. Because when the praise comes, God is honored. Sometimes if you wonder why the blessing is gone, watch what you've been saying. If you've been speaking negatively about the blessing, there we go. We've got something to work on. We've got something to begin to check out. Because in moments of trials, what is in you comes out of you. Paul and Silas, when they were in the prison, they had praise in their hearts. So they were locked up in prison. I want to say, prison is not the most hyped up place. It's not like, yo, welcome to prison. It's not like that. You know, there's no hype in prison. No going in there, yo, well, well, let's get locked up together. No, it's kind of like a, you know, low-key place. Paul and Silas go into their atmosphere. They change the atmosphere with what's on their heart. Because as they begin to praise, because what comes, what's inside of you in moments of time and pressure comes out. They had praise in their hearts, so in a moment of trial and affliction, what came out? Praise came out. And what happened? The chains were broken. If they had negativity, negativity in their hearts, what would happen? Oh, the sucks. Prison sucks again. All these stuff comes out. I'm stuck next to Stinko in the next prison. We got all these things. <laughs> we got all these things that happen, and then you wonder why things begin to shrivel and restrict around our life. We've got to watch what we say. Watch what we say. We are called to change atmospheres. Be of a different report. Two other men in the Bible, Joshua and Caleb in the book of Numbers. We read the story. Twelve spies get sent out into the promised land to scout, to see if they can take the land. Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Write it down. You can read it when you get home. Uh, basically what happens is they go into the promised land, they scout out the land. Ten of the spies come back. Ten of these spies say, you know what? The land, it is promised. It is flowing with milk and honey. There's pomegranates, there's grapes and all sorts. They name the fruits and you're like, that sounds promised. You go in there, they say, that the land is amazing. But they come back with a negative report and they say the giants in the land. They focus on what was too big to accomplish. 
It's an interesting quote. They say in that book and in that scripture, they say, we were like grasshoppers in the eyes of giants. They focused on what they couldn't accomplish. Two of these spies, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a different report. They came back with something that was worthy of having praise on their lips. You know what Caleb says? After the 10 uh, spies give out their little report, Caleb interrupts and he silences them and says, you know what? The land is big, the land is promised. There may be giants in the land, but you know what he says? He has this different report. He says, but we are more than able to take the land. Why? Because there was a spirit of faith within Caleb that saw that his God was bigger than the circumstance. That no matter what the report may be, and no matter what we see naturally, that when we open our eyes to see spiritually, we see a change. We see something different. We see a spiritual report. Sometimes if we would open our eyes to see what God sees instead of what we see, we would change how we act. Joshua and Caleb changed how they acted. You know what's interesting? We go to the chapter 14, verse 37, and it reads, Those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men that went out to spy the land. The ten spies that brought back negativity and fear died. The two spies that brought back the report of faith lived. When we live in negativity and fear, it leads to death. When we bring words of faith and live in what God has promised, it leads to life. God has come that we may have life and life more abundantly. When we live in that nature, we live in that DNA, I want to say that is where the blessing is. What comes, what's inside of you must come out. So you ask, how do I get faith on the inside? What you feed will begin to lead. So the more negative things you feed in your life, you'll watch that begin to dictate your mind, your thoughts, your emotions will begin to be negative. But when you have a word of faith and you fill yourself with the word of God, you come to CG, you connect yourself and around brothers and, uh, brothers and sisters that are saved, that are speaking positively. When you have these things feeding your spirit, you know what happens? The faith man begins to come up. The thoughts and the, the emotions of positivity begin to dwell up from amongst you. But when we, have, we feed ourselves with negative things, you watch, it begins to bring our emotions down. Be careful what you feed yourself with. The news, not the best source of inspiration. How many people watch the news and feel like they want to change the world? Not many. Why? Because it's always negative. It's always got a bad report. There's always people dying. There's always, not just during this season, there's always wars. There's always bankruptcy. There's always crimes. There's always somebody killing somebody. Not too many times do they put on one news about such and such miraculously healed from cancer. Never. Never. Why? Because the media thrives off negativity. When uh, it's like negative, how many people know that negativity sells? Sells papers, gets views on the news. People will watch. 
because they are scared. Out of fear, they'll watch it. Oh, I've got to turn on the news at 7 o'clock, man. Oh, I've got to know what's happening. Why? Because they're scared. How many times you pick up a newspaper and you see something about cat being saved from tree? Great story. Great headline. Positive thing. No one buys that. But if you say, thousands die. Oh, God, got to get that. Got to read this. Got to read this. Why? Because negativity sells. So I want to say we've got to be aware that if we are constantly feeding ourselves with media and news and all this stuff, you're going to be feeding yourself with negativity. And what you feed will begin to lead. In our home, I don't think once during this whole coronavirus season has the news been on in our home. Not once. You say, well, you're uninformed. (laughs) Maybe so. (laughs) But, but, (laughs) we're not living in fear. (laughs) <laughs> got your back <laughs> we're not living in negativity we're overcoming I'm not concerned dad's not at our home trying to you know make blah, blah, blah. no dad, it was like on the first week that it happened the, the word coronavirus was dad's like okay that word don't say it why because the whole the, the whole atmosphere changes it's like oh my gosh a lot of concern a lot of fear and I'm not promoting being dumb and being unaware and, oh let's just go do our thing y'all you know, yep, yep, and then you end up getting coronavirus because you're being dumb. Right. <laughs> We've got to be wise, but I want to say don't live in it. Don't live under it. Be aware, but don't be indoctrinated. Be living, be aware of what's happening and how you're supposed to, you know, not shake hands or shake hands or sanitize and all these things. Be aware, be aware, be aware, but don't live in fear. So we've got to be careful what we feed. That's why in this season, we've got to get into the Word and we've got to get into prayer. Because these things are the life in our bones that will bring our spirit man to the forefront of our life. That as we begin to preach and we begin to minister the gospel to our community, we bring hope. We bring life. We bring things that will bring the best out of other people. Instead of bringing a negative report like the 10 spies, we're going to bring the positive word of faith. That no matter what happens, that in a situation where the the virus may be spreading, whatever happens, we bring the word of life and the word of hope to a people that desperately need it. Moments like this, we bring faith. This is good. This is good for us. The The word of God and prayer, these things are vital. Vital for how we survive, how we flourish as Christians. Uh, you know, me and James recently have been getting our paddy uh, scuba license. We're halfway through that at the moment. And uh, it's kind of funny because <laughs> the first time we uh, <laughs> the first time we went in this pool, right, you go in and you, you know, do your thing. The ladies, there's just me and James in this pool. And uh, the first time, like the very first time we go under with the regulator and we're breathing underwater, we're going through and we go underwater and like, you know, you got all your hand signals. Like we go like to like a meter deep and James straight away is like, nah, this means like I'm not good. And then he's like, and then he just goes back up, like straight away. And we're like, what? So the instructor looks at me like, okay. And then so we go up and we're like, oh, what's wrong? And he goes, oh, the bubbles are coming out real fast. And she's like, yeah, that's normal. And uh, you're like, oh, okay, sweet. So we go back down. 
And then <laughs> we go back down. I'm there, we're at two meters now, and then I'm there, and then I'm like, I can't equalize. No, I can't go any deeper, I can't equalize. And then like, we're like, trying for like two minutes, three minutes, probably four minutes under the water trying to get this thing right. The lady's like showing me all these signals underwater. She, <laughs> she signals to come up because she's probably getting sick and tired of me like mucking about. And then she comes up, she's like, can, can you equalize? What's going on? I'm like, yeah, I'm waiting for it pop in my ears. And she's like, it's not meant to pop. And I'm like, oh. She's like, it's just not meant to be uncomfortable. If it's uncomfortable, you equalize. But if it's not uncomfortable, you just keep on going. I was like, oh, well, it's been all good the whole time. I was just waiting for that pop. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, okay, yeah, no, 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 we're all good. We go back down. <laughs> Flipping land lovers, eh? Just like, <laughs> we're in there just like, no idea. And uh, basically, uh, yeah, that's how it works. That was our first experience, just sort of let you know on how useless we are. Uh, <laughs> but no, basically, rule number one in scuba diving, never stop breathing. That's rule number one. Sounds simple, sounds simple, but you'll be surprised what happens under there. Panic hits, hold your breath, lungs expand, death, you're gone. Rule number one, do not stop breathing. Rule number one in our Christian walk, do not stop breathing. Say, well, how do I breathe? You breathe in the Word of God, you breathe out prayer. That's how you survive. You breathe it in, you breathe it out. That's going to keep your spirit man alive and well. You're not going to suffocate. Your spiritual lungs aren't going to expand. You're not going to get decompression, decompression sickness. <laughs> no, you're not. Okay, so these things, the Word of God, when we breathe in the Word and we breathe out prayer, this is what keeps us afloat. This is what keeps our spirit man strong. In days like this, we need to get grounded in the Word, grounded in the things of God. These things are good for us. Because when you stop breathing, you're vulnerable. When you stop breathing, you begin to panic. When you stop breathing, you begin to react in a different way than you normally would. We need to breathe. Breathe in the word, breathe out prayer. Keep that cycle going. We'll keep your spirit man going through. You know, in moments and seasons like this, the trials that we go through, I want to say we... You know, everybody is probably some way affected through the season of the virus and like the whole world has been shaken. That's the truth, the reality of it. But you might be facing a financial trial at the moment. You might be facing a physical trial. Whatever, whatever you're going through, I want to say sometimes we can think negatively about the trial and think, oh, this is dumb, this is useless. Why am I going through this, God? I want to say we need to change our perspective sometimes and realize that the trials are good for us because they, they strengthen us. The trials are what makes the spirit man grow. It's what makes the spirit man strong. The Word of God says, consider it pure joy that you face trials of many kinds. Because through this, through these trials, through this financial situation, through this difficulty, your faith will be made true. Your faith will be sharpened. Your spirit man will grow. You'll be advanced. You know, diamonds are made by three things. Number one, intense pressure. Number two, high temperatures. And number three, a lot of time. Sometimes if we want the diamond to come out in us, we've got to go through the big pressure. 
We've got to go through the high stakes, the high temperature. And it may be that we go through a season and a long time of it. But through that, through those seasons, the diamond is formed within us. The strong man is born. And we are better off for it. How many of you would trust a doctor that's never gone through the pressure of an exam? I wouldn't. <laughs> Doing heart surgery on me. His hands are shaking. Sorry, I've never done this before. Just sweating, sweat's falling in my bloodstream, all these things happening. Why? Because he never went through the pressure of exams. Why? The pressure of exams and all these things made the doctor stable, made him strong. He knew what to do. Calm under pressure. I wouldn't bet on a boxer, wouldn't bet on anything, because we don't gamble, but I wouldn't back a boxer that's only had fights with pillows, right? Pillow fights, He'll get in the ring knocked out straight away. Why? Because he's never been through the constant hits and bruises and tumbles and all the things, the pressure and the fights. These things make us. What about a bodyguard never been in a fight? Yeah, you're going to protect me. Protect me from what? You've never done it. <laughs> You've got to have people that are experienced and gone through the hard knocks of life and the situations. Seeing the faithfulness of God through that, have a testimony to tell. So next time the story comes, Next time you face something, you'll be like, you know what? I might be facing this, but God was faithful before. Never leave me nor forsake me. He's done it once before. He's going to do it again. God, I trust you. Let's go through this. And the moments of difficulty, the moments of trials in these situations, we must realize that these are strengthening us. It's bringing out the diamonds. It's bringing out the best of us. That when we face these situations, no matter what happens, if we hold on to God, we will see him come through. We will see the blessing come. We will see, we will come out on the other side better for it. I don't want to get to the end of my life and 80 years, no, 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 120 years of my life, speak that out, live that long, look back at my life and I've just lived comfortably. Just being a nice, comfortable life. When I could have gone through some situations that were tough, that were risky, that were made me vulnerable, that made me uncertain, all these things, but I held on to God and I saw his faithfulness. Last thing I want to do is get before the judgment seat of Christ and he'd be like, what the heck did you do? You did nothing. You just wanted to be safe. You just wanted to run from every battle. Caleb and Joshua didn't want to run. They said, we are more than able to take the land. We are more than able to overcome. You know what happened? Caleb and Joshua inherited the promised land. The 10 spies didn't. They died on the spot from the plague. How relevant is that in this day? I want to say this, that as we carry a different spirit, as we come above and beyond what's happening in our life, God begins to unlock things. And as we hold true to what He is doing, there is faithfulness and the spirit of faith that is built within us that we begin to preach, we begin to live, and God responds to that. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.